Building wealth is simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Welcome to Common Sense on the Prairie, a podcast by First National Wealth Management in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We are a regional best provider of wealth management services, including investment management and financial planning, as well as personal trust, institutional trust, and retirement plan services. This podcast is our chance to share some of our passions and help you make your money work for you. The idea for this show came from a question I've gotten from several listeners. It goes something like this. Adam, I just got my first job and I'm starting to make some money. I know I need to start saving and investing, but I don't know where to start. What do I do first? This is such a great question. And it speaks to a bigger point. Your money needs a plan. It makes no difference whether you're just getting started in your financial journey or getting closer to the finish line. You need to know where you stand today and where you're going tomorrow. Hence this checklist, which I've named the Wealth Accumulator Roadmap. The Wealth Accumulator Roadmap is a step-by-step outline meant to guide you along your personal financial journey. But before we dive in, we need to take care of two housekeeping items. The first is the disclaimer. Any comments, insights, or strategies discussed on this podcast are intended to be general in nature and therefore may not be suitable for you and your situation, whatever that may be. Before acting on anything we discuss, please consult with your attorney, CPA, and or your financial advisor. The second housekeeping item is actually a shout out. I'd like to give a shout out to Mrs. Bradfield's personal finance class at O'Gorman High School right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I learned over the weekend that you've been listening to the podcast, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate the support. My niece is in that class, so Isabel, you probably need to get an A. Once upon a time, I was a student at O'Gorman High School, and one of my most impactful classes was economics. I hope that Mrs. Bradfield's class inspires you as much as my economics class inspired me. All right, let's get into it. Step number one, save $1,000. As I speak, nearly six out of 10 Americans have less than $1,000 saved. If you're in this camp, this is a no-brainer, do not pass go first step. Why is this the first step? It's like a wound. You can't begin healing until you stop the bleeding. Having $1,000 saved for emergencies gives you some breathing room. It gives you some space between where you are today and what may be lurking around the corner. This space allows you to begin attacking your next financial priorities without continually falling backwards when an emergency happens. And emergencies will happen. That's just a part of life. Having this emergency fund available to pay for life's unexpected surprises allows you to stay on track. Why $1,000? It seems like a fairly arbitrary number, but it's what most financial planners suggest having on hand. I actually gave some serious thought about setting this amount higher because $1,000 doesn't go as far as it used to. But in the end, I ultimately decided to stick with convention. But regardless of whether it's $1,000 or $2,000, you need this cushion before you take the next step. Step number two, pay off all high-interest debt. The most common example of high-interest debt is credit card debt. But there could be others, personal loans, car loans, medical debt, and even some student loans could all be considered high interest debt. Personally, I classify high interest debt as any debt with an interest rate anywhere near what you could reasonably expect to earn in an S&P 500 index fund over the long term. Since the 1920s, the S&P 500 has averaged approximately 10% a year in returns. So if your debt has an interest rate anywhere near this rate of return, I would classify that as high interest debt. 
So why is paying off all high interest debt the second step? It's simple, really. If you have high interest debt eating away at your finances every month, you simply cannot invest well enough to keep pace. The math just doesn't work. You won't make enough in your investment or retirement accounts to keep pace with the compounding interest working against you on your credit card balances. Compounding interest has been called the eighth one of the world, and it is. However, when it's working against you, it will suck the life out of your finances. It should be avoided at all costs. If you do have debt like this, there are any number of ways you can tackle it. The most popular method is probably the debt snowball method offered by Dave Ramsey, where you list your debts, smallest to largest, attacking the smallest balance first while making minimum payments on the rest. Then, once you pay off the first one, you attack the next smallest balance, and the next one, and the next one, until you've paid off your entire debt. Whether you choose this method or some other method to pay off your high interest debt, the sooner you can get that debt behind you, the better. After all, the first step to getting out of a hole is to stop digging. Step number three, save enough to get your employer match. If you work for an employer, chances are you have access to a retirement plan through your work. Most employer-sponsored retirement plans offer employees a match, wherein the employer matches an employee's contributions up to a certain percentage. This is commonly referred to as free money, but that's only partly true. In most instances, you, as the employee, need to give up something to get this free money from your employer. And that something is part of your paycheck, at least enough to get every dollar of the match. The return on free money is 100%. And step three has you taken full advantage of this benefit. So whatever that match amount is from your employer, I want you saving at least enough to get the full benefit. Step four, fully funded emergency fund. Saving $1,000 is just a baby emergency fund. A full emergency fund involves saving much more. Just how much more depends on a couple factors. How close you are to retirement and how quickly you could replace your income if you were to lose a job. The conventional wisdom is that a fully funded emergency fund contains at least enough to cover three to six months of your living expenses. However, the closer you are to retirement, the more you need to have saved. As you approach retirement, I recommend having at least two years of your living expenses set aside. The reason it's so much higher than three to six months is that you don't want to be close to or in retirement and have the need to pull money out of your investments at an inopportune time just to meet your living expenses. If you're in this stage of life and the market takes a dump, that's the last time you want to liquidate investments to pay for your daily living expenses. And a market downturn could last well over a year. That's where a good cash cushion can insulate you from a downturn and allow your investments time to rebound before you begin pulling from them again. The second factor, how long it would take you to replace your income should you lose a job, is pretty straightforward. If you work in a city or a field where there are lots of opportunities outside of your current employment, your emergency fund may not need to be as large. However, if you're a highly compensated individual in a specialized field, those opportunities may be more limited. That could also mean you may need to move for a new opportunity. In that case, your emergency fund should probably skew higher, likely in the six-month range. Another wrinkle to consider is whether your family has one income or two. Those families with two incomes naturally have a little more cushion to continue to pay at least some living expenses while their significant other searches for a new job. That could push you closer to the three-month range. Step number five, save 15 to 20% of your gross pay towards retirement. Once your high-interest debts have been paid off, you're getting all the free money available from your employer, and you have a solid base of savings, 
you can now move on to more aggressive saving goals. I recommend saving at least 15 to 20% of your gross pay towards your retirement in this stage. I know, I know, this sounds like a crazy high amount, but here's my reasoning. The old adage was always to save 10% of your gross pay towards retirement and you should be fine. But that 10% threshold was set a long time ago. Back when we lived, on average, much shorter lives, we had significantly less healthcare expense, we were sure Social Security would be there for us, and many of us had pensions from companies we spent decades working for. That's not today's reality. It's just not. So now, more is needed to fund what could be a long retirement. Saving at least 15% of your gross pay towards retirement over a long period of time provides you with a higher likelihood of being able to sustain a comfortable lifestyle once you've called it a career. If you're not there yet, that's okay. Set a goal and start working towards it. One way to do that is by setting automatic increases each year to coincide with pay increases. This ensures you're making progress towards your higher savings goal without having to eat the elephant all at once. Before you know it, you'll be saving at your desired rate. Step number six, save for children's college. College savings isn't nearly as controversial as I think it should be. As a society, we've somehow moved saving for our children's college above our own financial well-being. And I don't think that's healthy for anyone. According to a study by T. Rowe Price, 74% of parents are prioritizing their children's college savings ahead of their retirement savings. And according to a survey by NerdWallet, almost one quarter of parents currently saving for retirement expect their kids to provide them with some financial support after they retire. Further, about one in six millennial parents currently saving for retirement said they expect their children to provide financial support for them for more than 30% of their retirement costs. What? That should scare the hell out of the kids in Mrs. Bradfield's class. If I were in their shoes, I'm not excited about the thought that I would be supporting my parents on top of raising my own kids and trying to save for my retirement. That math doesn't check out. I do see how this can happen, though. We parents have guilt, don't we? We want to give our kids the world and make sure they have more opportunities than we did. But doing so puts our own futures at risk. And it may end up putting us in a position where we're relying on our kids to support us in retirement. College saving is simply not in the cards for everyone. I wish that weren't the case, but it's just not. But for those who can't afford to put money away for their kids' college, they must resist the pressure to elevate this priority too high. College savings comes after you've established a solid financial footing for yourself and your future. This sounds a little harsh, but you have to make sure you've taken care of yourself before you take care of others. Please make sure to secure your own oxygen mask before assisting others around you. Step number seven, pay off all remaining debts and save for future expenses. Step seven does double duty. In this step, we have two priorities that can be tackled simultaneously. This is the step where you finish paying off your remaining low interest debts while also saving for known future expenses. Let's tackle these one at a time. The first is paying off your low interest debt. This is most often going to be your mortgage and possibly any remaining student loan debt you might have. Although keep in mind that not all student loan debt is low interest rate debt. If it's not, then those debts should be tackled in step number two. Low interest debt is debt that costs you less than you could reasonably expect to earn on investments in your investment account. During this stage, your focus should be ridding yourself of the rest of your debt so you can free up all your income to fund your saving and investment priorities. But at the same time, you may also be facing some large known expenses coming down the road. I'm the father of two daughters, so I have a reasonable belief that I will be contributing to a couple weddings at some point in the future. But maybe you're saving to start a new business, buy a second home, 
or take your dream vacation. Expenses like these are not surprises. You know they're coming. Saving for these expenses can happen while you are focusing on extinguishing your remaining debts, especially if the only debt you have left is your home. Step number eight, contribute to a non-retirement investment account. Once everything else is taken care of, the final step is to begin contributing to a non-retirement investment account. Once in retirement, you should have three buckets from which to pull money. A Roth retirement bucket, pre-tax retirement bucket, and a non-retirement investment bucket. Having these three buckets can help you legally manipulate how much you pay in taxes in any given year using the thoughtful distribution plan. Step number eight helps you start filling the non-retirement investment bucket, allowing for tax diversification. These non-retirement investment assets don't have any restrictions on use. They are available whenever you need or want them, nor are you required to pull from this bucket like you are with pre-tax accounts. Ideally, you'll reach this step as early as possible so you have time to build up your non-retirement assets to be on equal footing with your retirement assets, giving you maximum flexibility when structuring your distribution strategy to meet your living expenses and your charitable giving goals once in retirement. Okay, that's it. That's the roadmap. I hope this was helpful to you, no matter which stage you're in. If you've reached a point where you think it might make sense for you to bring on a partner to help you along your financial journey, I hope you'll reach out. Until then, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and tell your friends. We'll talk with you again soon.